When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we are live at the Standing Room Spartans podcast. I'm Kevin, and he is Scott. We are back, the two of us, for the first time in uh, a little a little while here. It is Monday evening now, early evening on the East Coast, and uh, Michigan State is coming off a victory, Scott. It is, it is a nice time to be here in the podcast chair, nice time to be sitting in front of the microphone. It's always a little more joyous occasion around here coming off a W. But uh, it's it's your first. So I did the the single episode last week. Um, you haven't been on in a little while. So where have you been? What have you been up to? How's it going? I had a little uh, COVIDcation. Uh, I went to Michigan for the Michigan game. Went up to my hunting property in northern Michigan and uh, came down with COVID right when I got up there. So spent the week uh, nursing myself in tree stands around the property and uh, hiding from the world. And uh, yeah, it was a good way to kind of lick the wounds of the, of the Michigan games, keep my head out of all the noise around that game, still have a little bit of a residual cough and some nastiness. So if, uh, if any, <laughs> see, there it is. If, if any rogue <laughs> coughs uh, catch you off guard on the podcast, I apologize. I'll try to get to my mute button before they get out, but uh, I'm not always that quick in my old age. So, uh, yeah, no, it's been a great weekend, though. Michigan State obviously won. For those who are Lions fans, took down the Packers. Huge win there. Red Wings went 3-0 and in a four-day stint. Uh, the Pistons still stink. So it's a great time to be uh, a Michigan State slash Detroit sports fan this weekend. And, yeah, vibes are high. College basketball's back tonight. Yep. Northern Arizona at Michigan State. So just a all-around great time to to be a sports fan. You know what's funny, too, is it, so I shouted him out on the preview. I might as well shout him out on the recap. Our guy, Big Kurt. So he's an Illinois guy. He's an Illini, and I got a lot of good information from him going into the game, um, a lot of which kind of played out a little bit. So we appreciate the good intel. Uh, but the... The best is I, I had messaged him a, a kind of an apology, I guess, too, because he's he's an Illini, and he is also a Packers fan. So I got the the double dip on Big Kurt this weekend, and on top of the obvious 
Michigan State beat Illinois, Detroit Lions beat the Packers. Probably the single biggest cause of the Lions beating the Packers, rookie safety Kirby Joseph from Illinois. <laughs> and it was just one of those like twisted, twisting the knife into his back, you know. <laughs> There's layers to it. So, Kurt, if you're listening, um, I apologize. You know, we've we've all been there. We've all had bad weekends. And as as a Packers fan, compared to us Lions fans, you've had a lot more good ones than bad ones. So I, I was going to say, really feel too bad for. I'll you, apologize <laughs> to the to the Illinois fan, Kurt, but not to the Packers fan, yeah. Kurt, because they have gotten more than their money's worth out of uh, that rivalry. So uh, we were due a, a win. And man, if you watched that game. I was sitting there texting everybody like, we know how this ends. You yep. know, give Aaron <laughs> Rodgers the ball with like a, two minutes left with a short field to up by what were we up by at that point? Six, I think I was like, there's no way we don't lose this game by one point. Like, there's no way. And credit where credit's due. Somehow they pulled it out. Aaron Rodgers had like the worst game of his career. Maybe he's getting back with Shailene Woodley or something. I don't know. Maybe it was took too much ayahuasca. Well, and we were just talking about too, like to to transition this over of how many times during this Michigan State game where we thought like, oh boy, you know, especially down at the end that mixed missed field goal, but there were a few times there where you're thinking, ah, okay, well here it is, you know, that it's just your, this has been one of those years where you're just waiting for that shoe to drop and. We hung on. We hung on for dear life, and a bowl game is now back in our sights, and things are looking up. And not only on the field, but Scott, I don't know if you heard this. Um, we've got our sources, and listen, I'm I'm not saying that there's a Say silent. That I'm not saying that there's a silent commitment, Scott. I don't want to. I don't want you to hear things that I'm not saying. But I'm not saying that there's not a silent commitment. So, hey, do with that information what you will, people. There's there's maybe not not a silent commitment by Dante Moore to commit to Michigan State at halftime of the Boca Raton Bowl or whatever six and six bowl game we go to. Um, what's the Detroit one now? The Quick Lane Bowl. I'm I'm going for Dante the Moore, Detroit Pin- kid. I've never been to Yankee Stadium, so I want him to play in the Pinstripe Bowl, so I can <laughs> go watch a football game at a baseball field. I know the stars are aligning for a Michigan State Ford Field halftime of the bowl game. I I think there's some steam here, but no. If you didn't see, if you're not on Twitter, basically, because if you're on Twitter, you saw it. Um, Dante Wait, Moore I have a better a, idea. Dante uh, Moore got a crystal ball. Fly him out State. to the uh, fly him out to the Phil Knight tournament for for Nike out in Oregon <laughs> and have him commit like on the court <laughs> when Michigan State wins that trophy uh, Thanksgiving weekend. That would be incredible. Twist the knife and Phil talk about cutting Phil all dropped ties. his bag for him and his family. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it, we're probably not getting Dante Moore. I think we're both in that mindset. But, um, hey, it's it's these kind of things. And this has been picked up by some national. I mean, the on three guys, I know they're kind of gaining steam in that uh, industry. They've been writing about it and podcasting about it. 
Barstool posted about it. I mean, these are complete nonsense sources, quote unquote. But the the point here is that in the midst of our worst season in in quite some time, there is like legitimate positive momentum if we can get to a bowl game and there are national people floating out the idea that one of the top three quarterbacks in the country might commit. <laughs> and, There's smoke. And that's that's pretty darn good at this point of the year. I, I mean, I'll take what I can get. And if smoke is all we get, hey, hey, that's that's all we need. Where there's smoke, there's fire, Kevin. Dante's Inferno has been lit. Well, and we and we lost. So I guess we haven't talked about this on the podcast either. But it obviously very much connected. We lost our quarterback commitment with uh, Bo Edmondson decommitting. Smoke. It's the smoke thickens. It's all leading towards that. I just saw the rumor now that that Oregon head coach Dan Lanning is reportedly interested in the Auburn job, right? So Uh-oh. smoke. Smoke is smoke is rising. There we go. And uh to, to top it all off, Peyton Thorne just hasn't played very well. So there might be some playing time available next year. So uh, I think that's the pitch. Yeah, it's all there. Yeah, so I mean, we'll get into we'll get into the game. We'll 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 dive deeper. I I actually want to go there now. Um there's there's something I've been thinking about because I've been kind of challenged on this. So we'll we'll get to this and then we'll do our our read and then we'll get into the game a bit more. Um but I wanted to kind of start here cuz it'll be interwoven throughout the rest of the episode, but We've all been tweeting about the coordinators. We've all been posting on Facebook about the coordinators. We've all been in our group chats about the coordinators. And my guy, Coach Mack, obviously a coach, football coach, who is my football coach, um, he's been pushing back on me a little bit on that, you know. And and for a while, I was just always thinking, well, you're you're standing up for your coaches, right? He, the coaches community the coaching fraternity they all got each other's backs you know so of course he's gonna have this take and as the season goes on i just i keep thinking about like all right it's it's easy to take the side of let's just fire these guys and move on or whatever it's just not working i think it's a lot more difficult to be on the other side of the argument but just for perspective's sake let me try testing those waters let me try defending these guys and I, I went through in my head and the more you the more you kind of dive into that world the easier it gets to defend the the job security of these guys because of one simple unfortunate truth and that's that given the context of this season and where we stand and a lot of it has to do with the injuries and and whatnot but the players that are playing for Michigan State right now are just not very good like and, and this is a, a terrible way to start a podcast after a win I I know <laughs> but it's just like I, I don't think these guys are that talented and the wins that we've gotten, we have grinded these wins out. And I just, you know, when it comes to the defense and we were just talking about this, we had like one scholarship defensive end on Saturday. 
we were just playing defensive tackles across the whole defensive line all game long. We were missing what three starters who got suspended the week before another starter in Darius snow, who we lost week one for the entire season. We've been out Xavier Henderson and Jacob Slade for a majority of the season so far. And so at a certain level, it's like, well, what, what do you want from the guy? I mean, how, how, how many more layers of this do we have to go before we just acknowledge that this isn't a fair, uh, this isn't a fair judgment point like this season. Right. And then you flip it over to the offense. And the one thing that I kept noticing over the last few weeks has been glaring. And even at times yet Saturday was good, but individually the offensive line is not very good. It's just not a very talented group. And if you want to argue against that, tell me how many of these guys are going to play in the NFL. I just, I don't see any. And so when you're when you're starting there on every single snap, knowing that your offensive line is bad, again, it's like how, how much what do you what can you really expect now? Again, like there are certain things that could be implemented, but I thought both coordinators did a pretty good job on Saturday. Obviously, just patching that defense together in itself is is a damn near a miracle, but me and TJ were talking about it during the game. I mean, we've got we got the screen game going a little bit more than we had this year. There was that it was fourth and fourth throwback pass to Berger. Uh, there there was a lot of nice stuff that we did on Saturday. And so it sounds like a weird positive, but kind of a positive. I thought the coordinators maybe not saved their jobs, but I I thought they did a, a pretty darn good coaching job. I mean, it starts with Mel Tucker, but it, it was a good coaching job on Saturday, no doubt. Yeah, when you look at the talent we're playing right now on the field, you're talking either guys from D'Antonio's worst recruiting classes in the entire time he was at Michigan State, or transfers, or really young guys who came in under Mel Tucker. Like, there's... The talent, even like you said, at full strength, wasn't that high. It had its weaknesses. Um, I think the defensive end situation may have like uncovered an unexpected blessing in that it it forced us to put just the most talented guys somewhere, get them on the field. It's <laughs> kind of like the draft strategy. Just draft the best right. guy on the board, regardless of what your needs are, right? Just put put your talented guys on the field because they're talented. And it worked out pretty well, but yeah, I mean, to play devil's advocate a little bit um, over the course of this season on the defensive side, (laughs) excuse me, uh, cough break. um, We have dramatically changed the scheme and it's working a lot better now. So just to throw a little, like a little devil's advocate gas on the fire here, why didn't we figure that out earlier? Why did we stick with that dumb super cushion cover three for so long when we played majority cover two man in this game? And all of a sudden you put the corners in man coverage near their guys and they start making plays on the ball. And a guy like Danny DeVito is just not Danny DeVito. That's not his name. <laughs> What's Tommy his first DeVito. name? Tommy DeVito. Uh, <laughs> excellent slip up. Uh, Tommy DeVito is just not like good enough to, to, burn you and there i mean 
that's not the strength of their team. We talked about how Illinois is a pretty good matchup for us, all things considered. Um, but we finally adjusted and it, like our personnel on defense this week was on the back half was no better than it has been at any other point in the season, you know, especially in the secondary, like those were all of our starters to begin the year when we looked bad sans J- Xavier Henderson, but same as last year. And they finally adjusted. And finally, I think Scotty Hazleton's earning his, his keep, but why did it take so long to get there? And will it hold up against other opponents? I, I think we did a great job stopping the run. It was an excellent week. I don't think that offense is built to challenge our secondary in a way that would, you know, scare us against a lot of other teams. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's weird. Scotty Hazleton seems to be doing more with less now, and Jay Johnson seems to be doing less with. I wouldn't say more, but he he does have more skill players that I think are at like the upper end of you know, their position relative to maybe the rest of the conference. Um, who do you think is uh, between the two coordinators? We're not going to bring Ross Ells and special teams into this. Who do you think has a hotter seat right now? Uh, I would uh, realistically speaking, like not just fan base hot seat, but like actual internal discussion hot seat. I think it would be Hazelton more than Johnson still just because of the cumulative. I mean, all of last season heading into this season, um, it would probably be there, but I don't know. I, you just, how many NFL guys do we have on this team that are playing right now? Like that, that played on Saturday. Like if we go read is one. Coleman. Coleman is one. Slade is one. Maybe Barrow, if he can get more consistent. Yeah, but like, are, are Barrow's flashes any better than the Naquan Jones flashes? Because they're both kind of well, that Naquan's same playing thing, right? for Tennessee. Right, well, so here's the thing. That, right, is, is Naquan's playing really well for Tennessee, but he didn't even get drafted. You know what I mean? Like he he had an uphill battle to find a spot, and he did. But the undrafted to NFL roster spot is is a very 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 difficult and unlikely uh, climb, right? So if if Barrow, who is like forty pounds lighter than the Naquan Jones, in a similar kind of they make splash plays, but they're super inconsistent. Like, I don't know, man. We're we're talking about the league. I don't I see yeah. Reed, I see Coleman, and I That's hope right. that Xavier Henderson. Yeah. I could see him I'm, getting drafted just because of the tape and the experience, but I feel like he's if I had to guess, he'd be like a drafted and kind of washes out the first couple of years practice squad kind of guy. The the honest truth that I'm really scared to voice with Xavier Henderson is that he it's it's Antoine Simmons just a great college player that just doesn't have the measurables you know I hope that's not the case um because Kari Willis I kind of thought the same thing and Kari Willis was having a hell of a career until he decided to go find Jehovah but (laughs) I just I, I I find three and a half like NFL guys on this team. And if that's the case yeah. and you play a tough schedule this year, I mean, I don't know. I I've just, 
the 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 end of the story is that I've I've found myself kind of um supporting the you know kind of a little bit on the other side of the angry mob I guess I mean uh, it's, of the it's always easy to blame the coordinators when a play doesn't work you blame the play unless there's one glaring guy that that made a mistake but like when inside zone doesn't work you're like why do we call inside zone you know guys most fans and I, this is going to sound like high horse I'm usually one of them too aren't watching a broadcast and going the left guard screwed up on that inside zone run right it just it turns into a collapsed mob in the middle and it looks like just a bad play that was never going to work when in reality there was one guy up front who blew his assignment and it doomed the play where if you have a wide receiver who drops a touchdown it's easy to say oh the wide receiver screwed up but like a lot of these plays that look like junk they still come down to one or two breakdowns individual breakdowns from players who just aren't talented enough to to make that play consistently um the question though I, I think the natural thought process after that is, well, who are you developing, right? So re- I think this year they still kind of get a pass. Their first recruiting class are sophomores. But next year, you got to show some dudes that you brought in as recruits, not just transfers, but you brought in as freshmen and developed into starting caliber players. Because right now, if we if we do that same exercise you did with like NFL guys, like who on this roster who maybe is in second or third string right now, are you looking at for next year going, I'm really excited to see him take the next step. I've started to do that a little bit and there's, there's not that many youngsters that I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm really excited for his time. You know? Yeah. Like even just going back, I mean, this last recruiting class, Dylan Tatum has shown nice flashes already. Jeremy Bernard, Jaden Mangum, um, but that's three guys, all skill position players, and all Zion in positions Young, that but... we're not. the The challenge right now is I I, I want to see our bad position groups get better next year. Like, sure, right. we can bring Jeremy Bernard in, but we we don't need another good receiver necessarily. It'd be great to have him, obviously. But like, I'm looking at offensive line, defensive line. I'll give you like Evan Harmon or Derek Harmon. Jeez, my names are screwed up today. Uh, Derek Harmon, but like at the edge, like. Right. And, and where's Ethan Boyd? Where's, um, you know, these tackles, right? Where's, like you said, I mean, some of these kind of valuable positions that we've seemingly missed out on time and time and time again. Let's show some progress there that at least we have somebody waiting in the wings. Um, I don't know. I, it's It's interesting, but Time Let's, to uh, time to shelf. Put a pin in the uh, negative. Uh, right? Yeah, I know. Start like, to talk about this way win. Start, uh, start. We're like twenty five minutes in. We're halfway through. No, we got to talk about this win we got and the fact that uh, we are talking about <laughs> trying to scrap into bowl eligibility. Excuse me, which Utah. is crazy. And you know, again, I on uh, on the preview, I was basically talking about like I just this was a mentality game. And if the guys were going to bring it, they were going to bring it. And if they weren't going to bring it, we would know early and it would be snowball effect. And I, when Peyton Thorne threw that interception on the first play, I kid you not, I texted our Twitter group chat with a bunch of Big Ten people. 
and I texted all of them. I was like, I don't know what the live line is right now. And I don't care what the live line is at right now. If you value your money, hammer whatever it is for Illinois. Because this game is about to get ugly. <laughs> I'm just thinking of everything with the tunnel and the suspensions. And you throw an interception on the road on the first play. I'm like, this is this has young college kids being way too emotional and not being able to move on and prepare for a football game written all over it. And credit to these guys for fighting back because I I thought it was over on the first play. Yeah, it felt like, you know, an up when they float the house with all the balloons and like all year our balloons have been popping, right? Every game, like another dozen. And we were down to like one balloon (laughs) and we're just like, we're skittering across the sky, nerves, like total wreck hoping nobody notices that one little balloon and then like as soon as the game kicks off some dude just comes out with a rifle and he's like you're mine (laughs) just shoots the last balloon and i'm like that's it like that's the season that pick honestly i was like that's like this is good we're gonna lose by 40 and the season's gonna spiral out of control all of our haters (laughs) are gonna have a great time on twitter laughing at us um yeah i thought i thought the season was just like just mail it in at that point. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how they dug out. I think that the defense finally, not finally, that's not fair that we've had goal line stands. They came up with that big goal line stand kind of righted the ship. And, uh, you know, it's weird watching this whole game. It didn't felt like, it didn't feel like we did anything particularly well. It felt like both teams played like, okay football. And we just ended up with more points at the end of the game. But like, I could point to a lot of things that lost Illinois this game, but here's a question for you. What won Michigan state this game? It, yeah, I, that's a good question. It's, it was a lot of, you know, we, we talked about this with the Michigan game was it, it's one of these games that you play on the margins and there's six to eight to 10 plays. And in this particular game, Michigan, all of those plays went our, our way there wasn't really a single play that besides that early interception where you were like, Oh, we might've lost the game on that play. I mean, again, there was that missed field goal, I guess, but like there, there were very rarely moments where we just totally messed up and, and had boneheaded moments. It was all of those kind of swing plays, those turnovers, the, the fourth down conversions, the, you know, goal to go situations, they all kind of came up green. And again, that's a huge credit to these guys. And I think this Illinois team, I do, I think they're one of the 10 to 15 best teams in the country. Probably not, but that's a good Illinois football team. They might still win the West. I mean, this isn't like, Oh, season's over for Illinois. This still might be the big 10 West champion. They have a legit defense with four to five NFL players potentially. Uh, and it, it came down to Peyton Thorne was at his best in this game. He was making very quick decisions, diagnosing the defense very quickly, finding blitzers. Uh, a lot of times blitzers that weren't being picked up by the offensive line, free blitzers, untouched and and Peyton Thorne was still making a couple plays knowing he's about to take a shot 
making the play and throwing it to Keon Coleman on the sideline, knowing he's about to take a shot, throwing the teardrop to Jaden Reed in the corner of the end zone. I I was pretty impressed by Peyton Thorne in a in a very 2021 way of Peyton Thorne of like he made the plays he had to make. Um, was it super consistent and good throughout the entire game? No. But like we said earlier, when you're dealing with a bad offensive line, it's it's difficult to play quarterback. And and he he made the plays he needed to make. He found Keon Coleman. I mean, Keon Coleman is becoming is he wide receiver one? <laughs> well, the, yeah, this was an interesting game with the wide receivers because Jaden Reed ended up being the big name target again. And we've seen now a few games where Jaden Reed's had a big game, a few games where Keon Coleman's had a big game this year. And they've each been treated as wide receiver one by the opponent in this game. Illinois decided to put what was it Witherspoon, I think, yeah, uh, who will be a, probably an NFL um, defensive back. They he was just Keon's shadow in this game. So Reed drew the better matchup. Uh, they had some banged up injuries at corner too. So I think he ended up playing against a freshman by the end of the game, uh, which is just a horrific situation for any freshman corner. Um, and even Jaden Reed, I mean, he didn't have his best game. He dropped a touchdown on the first drive. Uh, he had a couple of chances for his typical like mossing touchdowns that he he couldn't convert, but he drew the better matchup and made him pay five catches for uh, 70 yards and a touchdown. Obviously the big, um, what I think ended up being the game winning touchdown um, again. So yeah, I mean, we knew the wide receivers would be a strength this year and that's, that's what it does to a defense, right? You can take one away, but you can't take away. Most teams can't take away both. There are some teams out there that have the personnel to, to, uh, to give both of those guys a challenge. But if you, you come up against, you know, 95% of teams in America, they're not going to be able to take both of those guys away. And if Peyton Thorne can find that and get the ball out quick enough, that's the product you get. Uh, it was interesting. You said that we saw Peyton Thorne at our best and you know, it's funny. He 19 for 29, 182 yards, two touchdowns and a pick doesn't sound like a great game uh, on paper, but with this offensive line and this version of this year's team, that is, I, I do think that is Peyton Thorne at his best. And that's something I've come to realize as the season has progressed is like, he's not the type of player who is going to transcend his team and take it to new heights. He's going to play within his team and he's going to look, if he has a good team around him, he, he can look great. If he has an okay team around him like this year, he's at best going to look good. And I think that's what we saw this year. And it just felt great to have him back there. You could tell he had confidence. You could tell he was di diagnosing things quickly. And, and while Illinois does have a good defense, they don't have a particularly complicated defense. They play a lot of man. Um, so I think he he was able to just trust his eyes and uh, and make some plays and yeah I mean he he took a beating in this game but uh, but he did just what he needed to uh, to get the job done and yeah it just it it feels good to have him having a great game because this season it felt like for the whole team it was starting to slip a little bit and you know that starts with the quarterback and you were I was starting to worry about excuse me where his head was at. Um, and uh, yeah, have him back on track going into this game of a couple, I don't want to call them easier matchups. There's no easy matchup in the Big Ten, but uh, a couple matchups you can go into feeling a little bit more confident about your chances. I think it was a great time to get him back on track.
Yeah, if Ohio State can uh, struggle the way they did against Northwestern, then anybody is up for for grabs. I this is a game. Uh, th- these couple games coming up are going to be huge. I am curious. I I haven't actually checked the line yet on DraftKings for uh, this weekend against uh, Rutgers, but <clears throat> let's imagine that uh, Ben Patton is lining up for a game winning kick and. I, I just imagine how how your pulse is going to be racing, um, and now imagine you even have money on it. It's it just makes everything a little more exciting. However, you feel about that, and DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And right now, new customers can make any five dollar NFL bet and get two hundred dollars in free bets if your team wins. And in addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member. Get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So I want to go over to the defense. First and foremost was a note that I texted you guys this during the game. Cal Halliday was born and bred to play against the Illinois Illinois Fighting Illini. This offensive scheme where it's a zone-heavy, run-heavy, he was born to play this game. And, And the reason is... Because with the zone gap, or with the zone blocking scheme, the the offensive line is working much in the way that, or I'm sorry, the the what I'm looking for, the linebackers are working much in the way that a running back typically looks for, because you're just kind of looking for the holes in the offense to try to shoot a gap and make a play, and that's what Cal Halliday was born to do, to just kind of uses instincts, feel it out, feel it out. And then as soon as he sees that gap, there's the the expression that football coaches always use, like shoot your gun. And as a linebacker, Cal Halliday is great at that. He'll sit, he'll read, he'll read, he'll read, and then he'll shoot his gun. Boom, backfield, making a tackle. And uh, obviously, you know, we'll we'll see if he comes up later on in the in a segment, but finishes the game with Nine tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, half a sack, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. So uh, that's where we got to start with the defense because he deserves it. But, I mean, damn, it was just a good job by everybody. I mean, everybody stepped up. Aaron Brule stepped up to to fill Jacoby Winman's role. You had defensive tackles playing defensive end. Um, I mean, Derek Harmon, Simeon Barrow, Maverick Hansen. Uh, I mean, all of these guys were getting involved early and often. Deshaun Mallory, he played damn near the whole game at end. Um, these guys did a really good job. I, I just hats off to the defense for for holding an, an Illinois football team without the most electric offense in the world. I held them to 15 points. That's a that's a pretty darn good job. Um, I think that's their lowest total or the second lowest total of the season Illinois, or against Iowa they only scored 6 yeah but and that's uh, first time we've held a big 10 opponent under or a power 5 opponent under 20 points since Indiana last year which was 
I think over a calendar year ago, if you go back and look at where that game fell in the schedule. So, um, awesome job by the defense. Awesome job by Scotty Hazleton. He brought the pressure at the right times. I think he knew what he had in the matchup against <laughs> Danny DeVito, Tommy DeVito. Um, he knew if we could speed him up, he was going to struggle, right? They're not, they're not a team that pushes the ball down the field um, in the passing game. And this game on defense, it really came down to, are we going to be able to stop the run? Um, and really impressively we did, you know, and I think that's a credit to the linebackers, especially Cal Halliday, but Ben Van Summeren had 10 tackles as well. Um, safeties were coming downhill really well, but, uh, yeah, I think stopping the run. I mean, I say we stopped the run. We gave up like 150 rushing yards, but, um, they didn't do what Illinois likes to do to win games. Yeah, and, I mean, you you hold Chase Brown under his season-long average in yards per carry. He he ran for 136 yards, but it took him 33 carries to get there. You know, it, it was a kind of grinded out in in a little bit of a way of like what what our defense was supposed to look like. You know, kind of remember early last year, teams were getting a bunch of yards, but they weren't getting a bunch of points. And that was kind of by design. Saturday afternoon, Illinois racked up 441 yards, 15 points, right? And and there was a lot of, I mean, you, you kind of go through the drive chart. Illinois, nine-play drive, two-play touchdown drive, six plays, seven plays, 14 plays, four, six, four, and then, um, you know, like early on especially, they were moving the ball down the field. They just weren't really converting it to points. And then in the second half, as we've seen a couple times now this year, the second half, the defense really came out and and played pretty darn well. Third quarter allowed zero points. Fourth quarter, they had the touchdown drive early. Um, But it was, um, I I just, I can't give enough credit to these guys for stepping up in the way that they did with, with the injuries, which... There were some Illinois fans who were complaining about, I don't know, I, you said you weren't on Twitter much. I don't know if you've seen the amount of Illinois fans that were complaining, and Brett Bielema even in the press conference. Yeah, saying, I saw Bielema's comments. Talking about our fake injuries. I'm like, what, was, what are we playing, 2009 Oregon out here with your tempo? You know, like, this is, what, do you, what, what advantage The clock was running under this? two minutes, and Illinois had the ball, and one of our guys goes down as if he's he's injured. Like we gave you a free timeout. We're not. That's not giving us an advantage at all. It's like, do you understand that we have like fifteen scholarship defenders on our team right now? <laughs> we are forcing a lot of guys into playing time that aren't normally out there. You got to give us a little break here. Yeah, but the defense, um, they turn they they forced one turnover uh, on our side of the field. Xavier Henderson punched that one out with a jarringly hard hit for how fast his body was moving. But the bigger thing was four turnovers on downs. Um, And one of those was near the end of the game when Illinois' hand was forced. But three of those were just mid-game, you know, bow up. And and that's something I remember early in the season talking about being frustrated, that we, like, short situations, third and one, third and two, fourth and one, like we could not get the penetration to get those stops. Other than that, we had one or two in Washington, but by and large, like in middle of the field, 
teams would go for it on short yardage situations and they were getting it so consistently. Um, well, and, and maybe that's and because we had what, like 1200 pounds on our defensive line, every play. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, we, we, we hinted at it early. It was like, was this kind of a blessing in disguise that we didn't have a single defensive end who was able to play, you know, we just got beef up front now and, uh, it, it kind of worked out that way. Maybe we start incorporating that a bit more into the future. Um, but no, I, you know, and the other nice thing too was there were a few young guys who who hadn't really been able to showcase their skills, made a couple plays. Ma'ano Teote hasn't really played a whole lot this year, but had that huge stop on, uh, I think it was third and goal, uh, on the goal line stand that we had. Now Teote came, uh, fired through a gap, made a play in the backfield. The and, commentators and the fourth could down. not figure out his <laughs> yeah. name for the life of them. They're like, potato man. <laughs> but he he had that play Jaden Mangum pl- made a couple plays um I texted you guys one it was again it, I think it was second down on that same goal line stand Jaden Mangum 145 pounds soaking wet stands up in the hole sheds a block makes a a, a, a tackle on Chase Brown on the two yard line or whatever I mean Shout out Jaden Mangum for making that play as a young as a young skinny freshman, and that kind of gives you that hope. It, you, with these young players, you just kind of there's certain things that you hope you can see. And when Jaden Mangum, you know that the athleticism is there. You know that the the ceiling as a uh, a pass breakup interception kind of guy is there. But you were always like, man, he's he's pretty slight. Is he going to be able to hold up in a hole? Is he is he going to be really willing to stick his nose in there? And hey, if if you're going to do that in this environment against Illinois, a, a, a team in the Big Ten running the football better than damn near anybody, um, that means that two years from now, when you've bulked your body up a little bit, we're going to have no questions about that. All right. So I, I loved Jaden Mangum kind of checking that box for me. Young guys stepping up, old guys stepping up, defense as a whole. Just, I mean, if if we could give the game ball to the entire defense, I would probably do it. But um, unfortunately, well, I mean, it's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. But <laughs> I want to give um, one last shout out to the corners, too, because they've, I feel like we haven't been talking about that much lately. Um, first of all, Chuck Brantley is still a true sophomore and is really coming into his own as a field uh corner amir speed had a good game too but this is this was the first game i can remember where it really felt like they and i said i said something about this a little bit earlier but i wanted to highlight it it really felt like they finally were near the ball a lot and we picked up a couple pass interference calls but go back watch the first three games of this season you would have been hard pressed to find a guy who is within range of being able to draw a pass interf- <coughs> excuse me, pass interference call um, on one of our outside corners because they were playing so wide. And I know some of that's a scheme change, but we've been trying to play this man for a few weeks now too. And this week, it really felt like there was at points we were starting to completely lock down their receivers, and we haven't had that in a long time and it's really exciting to see especially with a guy like chuck that's got time left right i mean i don't think he's at risk of of leaving next year unless he takes a huge 
step up. So I, I think he could be a huge cornerstone to this defense, but just really glad to see them finally using their hands. Um, it feels ridiculous to say that about corners, but like they're finally making plays on the ball. So the only chance we have at stopping the pass isn't solely dependent on the pass rush. And um, yeah, the whole defense, it just felt like, remember earlier in the season, we were talking about how you watch other teams and it feels like they have like five more defenders on the field than when you watch our defense. Yep. It finally felt like we had enough guys on the field to play defense. <laughs> against this team <laughs> at least at least the normal amount of defenders yeah <laughs> which is again huge improvement um i mean again like you said earlier in the season it felt like we must we must have like nine guys out there because there's no way that with 11 guys we're only covering the amount of ground that we are but just just a really great job special teams <laughs> same didn't. story <laughs> they didn't make a game altering mistake. They left four <laughs> points on the field. Um, um, yeah. But Bryce Berenger maybe got us like two points just purely in field yeah. position. That that might come up later. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the special teams, it, it it's kind of one of those things where you kind of have to accept that it's as bad as it is because... I just don't think we're not going to magically find a kicker in the last three weeks. And I mean, hopefully Hank Pepper comes back because those, these snaps are scaring the hell out of me. The special teams is just not good. That's, that's a 2023 problem. That's a, we're kicking that can down the road. That's not going to be solved in the last three weeks. We have an outstanding punter and that's the end of the special teams. It's better than having a guy who calls it ineligible fair catch at the six yard line and downs the ball for us. That was the most bizarre kickoff play I can remember. Um, gave Illinois a really long field, but yeah, I think, uh, especially he was just shocked that that ball bounced back inside straight up at him. Yeah. yeah they, he was definitely waiting for that thing to go out of bounds and then it popped straight up and he was like, uh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I was not playing for this. Yeah. Um, what else? I, I I'm good. I think we. You ready to wrap this thing? Yeah, let's just get to the uh, the game ball and the player of the game, uh, or the play of the game. Sorry, game ball and player of the game, same thing. So, I'll start. You know what? I'll start with the play of the game. We just alluded to it. That Bryce Berenger punt was so good. That <laughs> we were, we were joking about this earlier. If anybody remembers, I think a lot of people are, are, that that listen are in our age demo. the The early to mid two thousands Madden games, and they had the mini camp, and you would go in before the season on your franchise, or you could just do it as like a mini game kind of thing. And they had all the individual drills, and one of them was the coffin corner punt. And they had the different color zones, and you would just try to punt it into the corner, the, the coffin corner. And Bryce Berenger, from 69 yards out, just dunks it on the one-yard line, puts it out of bounds. That was the single most impressive punt that I can remember seeing. I'm sure there are more that if you know I watched a YouTube highlight, something will come up. But live action 
I can't remember a single punt that made me just drop my jaw to the floor to the level of that one. Because as soon as that, you know, you see the ref running over to the spot and waving his arms, because I, I just kind of assumed it was going out of the end zone. And then I saw the ref coming up there and I'm like, oh, hold on. <laughs> Did he just put that thing out of bounds there? <laughs> that was so impressive. That deserves a shout out. Play of the game, Bryce Berenger punt. I like it. This uh, this wasn't a game full of highlight plays. So I've struggled with uh, my decision on play of the game here. Um, there's the vintage Jaden Reed teardrop that you mentioned. Um, I really liked Keon Coleman. It was kind of later, I think it was third quarter, and he caught one at like it was like four yards out and he completely dispatched one defender with a stiff arm and then he kind of like just like jumped into a dude's face with his knee <laughs> and just kind of was... rode him out of bounds uh not play of the game but it deserves mention because it was really entertaining uh it that just was shows hilarious. how much more athletic he is than everybody around him the question is was like, was he genuinely trying to hurdle that guy? Because he was standing straight up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And he, he, like, his pelvis didn't even clear the dude's, like, Adam's apple. It was no, it was nowhere close to a hurdle. But uh, maybe he was expecting him to go low. <laughs> I'm going to give it to a play that I really loved. I mentioned it earlier. I feel like it didn't get that much attention because it was kind of middle of the game. And we didn't turn it into that much. But... Xavier Henderson forcing that fumble. Illinois was driving at that point, and it, we were stuck in a, a really tight game. They had the ball in our side of the field, and he just came up, and it was it was kind of a sleepy part of the game where a lot of these games this year have gotten away from us, and I feel like that play just woke us back up. And, and like I said, the offense got the ball back, and they went three and out. They went minus seven yards. It was not like we didn't turn it into anything, but it very well could have saved seven points, and it did flip the field because then Bryce Berenger bombed like a 60-yard. It wasn't that punt, but it was another great punt. Um, I'm going to give it to that. I mean, turnovers win tight games like this. You talked about the the half a dozen plays in, in a game that determine a game like this. That was definitely one of them, and uh, – yeah, I think the defense needs some recognition, and that was just a great sleepy play that I think had had more implications than I think uh, maybe it felt like when you know looking back at this game. So, how about game ball? I'll let you go first on this one. Yeah, I'm going to force you into a corner because I know you want to give it to Cal Halliday, but I'm giving it to him <laughs> first. That dude was everywhere. It was a vintage Cal Halliday game. It's the type of game that we fell in love with him last year for for having games like this just the type of game where he can pin his ears back and just let his instincts flow. That dude was everywhere in this game. And it wasn't just the plays that showed up on the score sheet. You know, there was the fourth and goal early in the game that we stopped. He made that play. That was the one where (laughs) I keep wanting to say Danny DeVito, Uh, Tommy DeVito fired a fourth and goal pass like right between two of their receivers and the commentators couldn't really figure out where he was trying to throw the ball that's because cal halliday was coming straight down broadway right into his face and he just had to get rid of the ball in the general direction of an orange shirt um i think they were wearing blue shirts but whatever uh cal halliday probably 
no, we absolutely would not have won this game without Cal Halliday. Given everything else going on in this defense, um, we, he won us this game. Yeah, he he turned a lot of five yard rushes into zero yard rushes. He turned a lot of fifteen yard rushes into five yard rushes, and sometimes as a defender, especially as a linebacker and a safety, like that's that's kind of all you're really expecting. Right. So uh, Cal Halliday played awesome. I was prepared for this. I knew I had to have two answers ready because Cal Halliday was the gimme. I have a, a trivia question for you to set up my game ball. When? So, okay. Uh, my game ball goes to Jalen Berger, who I thought had his best game as a Spartan. I thought he made some timely plays through the air on the ground. Jalen Berger had over a hundred yards from scrimmage. So Scott, when was the last time that Jalen Berger had over a hundred yards from scrimmage? And when was the last time he did it against a power five opponent? Um, I did not prepare you at all for this. So no, <laughs> And I was worried because you were starting to talk stats and I'm staring at the box score. So I thought I'd give it away to myself, nope. but no. Um, I want to say he, he did it against Akron. He did. Okay. Was so he had 112 time? yards from scrimmage against Akron. He had 110 on Saturday. All right. Was that the last time? Was that, that the, correct was the last time? Answer? All right. Power five opponent. We know it wasn't this year because that was pre that was before our first power five opponent this year. So it was not so it was while he was at Wisconsin. I because you're asking this question, I want to say like the last time we played them, but I don't think we've played them since he got to college. No, uh, we haven't. I don't really know Wisconsin's schedule from last year, so I'll just throw like a a flyer here when th maybe they played Michigan last year. <laughs> it's a trick question. He's never done it. Okay. Um, All right. I was, well, I was he... wondering if I was going <laughs> to answer that, but that felt too broad and like out there. He but... had never done it. I should All be right. grammatically correct. Um, yeah. His, his first game topping uh, over a hundred yards in a, a power five game and looked really good. I mean, just moved really well. He, he has a little bit of that kind of, um, effortless moving where it just he he looks he kind of glides when like he's, that when he's on kind of like just really yeah. light hardly pound, touches the ground when he puts his foot in it kind of movement yeah exactly it just kind of looks easy which i like but it, you know he he found the holes that were there he didn't try to make too much you've been on him this whole season about just he's always looking for that cutback and the explosive play he kind of just took what was in front of him and he accepted that I think this is really hard for running backs to do, but I think it's really important. Sometimes you just have to accept that this is a play that's going to get me four yards, right? And, and running backs will hate to do that. But sometimes the best running backs, that's just what they do is they know that, well, this hole, there is definitely a four yard gain there. And I'm just going to take that four yards. I'm not going to try to find the 20. I'm not, I'm not going to try to find the touchdown. I'm going to take the four yards that's right in front of me. Right. And Berger did that a bunch of times. He, he's, he made some people miss um, really good hands. Those three catches for 20. That one, um, 
little Back throwback that we did on fourth down in the red zone was beautiful. Uh, I thought he had a really good game. Yeah. I wanted to shout him out. There weren't a ton of like outstanding individual performances, uh, but I thought Jalen Berger really stood out. Yeah, he had a great game. Um, agree with everything you said. If you want to see a glaring example of the difference between this year's running game and last year's running game, though, watch Jalen Berger's best run of the night. It was a 24-yard run where he got to the third level. It was him and a safety, and he knew he didn't have the legs to outrun the safety around the edge, but he could have got a substantial amount of yards before the safety rode him out of bounds. And he just got like total open field panic and just like the Jordan Simmons, just like point your forehead at the nearest defender <laughs> and slam into him. He just like, or he tried to player. cut back, but just kind of ended <laughs> He just kind of ended up veering straight into the defender and like it was still a 24 yard run, kept the drive going. It was it was a great play. But if that was Kenneth Walker, that defender's not getting within like eight yards of him. Right. Uh, so there's a prime example of one of the things that has changed this year and maybe one of the things that's held us back a little bit. But yeah, well, Jalen Berger, sorry to yuck your yum on this party. Um well, yeah, actually, I'll I'll increase your party because I actually so I miscounted something here. Um, I was doing this trivia question on the fly because I just pulled it up when I knew I was going to say Jalen Berger, um, Scott Stradamus over here. So I, I miscounted. I was doing quick mental math, adding up rushing and receiving yards on on his entire game log as I was speaking. The first game of Jalen Berger's career. He played for the Wisconsin Badgers against the Michigan Wolverines, had 87 yards rushing and 13 yards receiving. Wow. Look at me. You nailed it. I Both am of them. so, this may be my crowning sports talking head achievement of my entire, <laughs> like I can retire now. I'm good. We're done. Podcast over. Don't tune in next week. Scott is now being referred to exclusively as the Schwab. Stump and the Scott. My my new goal is to stump the stump the Scott. <laughs> Next podcast, I'm going to do it. All right, I got um, one trivia question to send you off because you alluded to it earlier, and it's going to tee up our Rutgers preview. We're going to play guess that spread because you said you have not looked. Ooh, I did okay, catch I it. Haven't. I don't have the DraftKings one because I'm in New Jersey, so I can't see Rutgers spreads. But I did see what ESPN has for it or CBS, I think. So uh, I'll give you within. One and a half points. What do you think the spread is? I truly, honestly, have not seen this. Um, I know we're going to be favored, especially because we're at home. I would say, so if we assume home home field's going to give us three points, I think we would be less than a touchdown favorite on a neutral field right now, just given the whole season. Rutgers hung with Michigan for a half last week. I'll say... Michigan State is favored by seven and a half. All right. I gave you one and a half. You were two and a half off. We are 10 point favorites. Really? Yep. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm going to need some time to. <laughs> hey, I don't care. I don't care if they put us at 14. We don't cover. If that means we're going to, we got a good chance to win this game, like I'm all in on the pinstripe yeah. bowl. <laughs> I'm all in. All right. Let's wrap it up. Uh, appreciate everybody for listening and sticking with us. Apologies for last week. Uh, hopefully we're back on our normal schedule here for the rest of the season as we close it out. And for all of you who are new, just so you know, 
we don't just end when the season ends. We'll, we'll go through bowl practice. We'll go through the bowl game because, yes, we're going to a bowl game. We'll go through National Signing Day. We'll go through uh, April when there's nothing happening. We'll go through June when there's nothing happening. We're going the whole season uh, and off season. So uh, stick with us. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your family. And until uh, Wednesday, we'll be previewing that Rutgers game. Maybe I'll have some stronger feelings about that spread. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you then. Hope everybody has a good start to the week. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.